Are you just watching? Episode 5, Serenity and Firefly, Part 2. I'm Eve Franklin. And I'm Daniel Lewis. And welcome to the podcast that provides critical thinking for the entertained Christian. Again, this yes. is the second time we've had to split a conversation up in two parts. This might become a pattern. Yes, we may end up doing two-parters. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Because there's so much to talk about, and it's obvious that we have a passion behind this, and we enjoy the movies that we're talking about, too. And so we hope you're enjoying this with us. So last time we talked about uh, several different things that you can review. We talked about the universal control of the Alliance, some of the belief and direction in life of the different characters. And Daniel, I just have one thing to say. What's that? If The only thing you're going to say in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have more to say than that. But it's like, I don't care what you believe. Just believe it. Um... Okay. <laughs> I just had to say that to kind I of believe recap. I'm a squirrel. <laughs> I just wanted to recap all of our commentary on belief <laughs> in the last in the last part by recapping Shepherd Book's rather pointless statement when he's dying. So, <laughs> yeah. So now, Serenity and Firefly really focuses around a single character. Well, not I mean a single character, but this is the character that is the most prevalent in all of them. The cause, the effect, everything. Right. Yes. River Tam, mm-hmm. played by Summer Glau, who is also a Terminator later in life. <laughs> <laughs> but River was created as a weapon. Well, she wasn't created as well, a weapon. Yeah, true. <laughs> Created. God created her as a girl. <laughs> yeah, but turned into a weapon by brainwashing, and that it's said in this that she has psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. Now, that brings up a question: Is it possible to have psychic abilities? What do you think? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I think it's cool a uh, way to portray people in science fiction and fantasy, but whether it's real. I think that that kind of uh, psychics in in real life, if they have any real ability, is probably demonic. But that's just my personal Mm -hmm. take on such things. I think I would agree mostly that Mm -hmm. uh, Scripture says that God looks at the heart. Mm -hmm. And Scripture would also seem to indicate that only God can see the heart of man. Right. But yet, the spiritual enemy, the devil, the demons, demonic powers are students of mankind and Mm -hmm. know mankind perhaps better than we do uh, because they certainly know how to give us just the right temptation to make us fall or Mm -hmm. make us fall, but that we choose to fall. And I would say that, yes, some of that stuff out there that we see today that claims to be psychic powers and Mm -hmm. that seems actually legitimate, Mm -hmm. that I would say that's probably some sort of dark spiritual demonic power. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, for people to be born with this ability? No, I wouldn't say that's possible. Right. Uh, That is only for God to know what each person is thinking. And, you know, Jesus Christ was psychic Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a sense. Well, no, I mean, in reality, because it says in the Gospels that Jesus Christ knew what they were thinking in their hearts. Now, he's not this kind of psychic. This is, oh, I'm feeling something here. I know what you're going to do in the future. You know, none of that, that weird stuff out there. River is a psychic in the sense that she can read people's thoughts and she can see the future a little bit. Yeah. I think she kind of feels things coming. Yeah. Uh, Somewhat of an empath. 
early on in Serenity, it is communicated about what River is. And there's a dialogue going on between two of the characters. She's a reader. Sees into the truth of things. Might see trouble before it's coming, which is of use to me. Which is an interesting way of explaining what River is and why she's so important to the Alliance is that she's seen the truth into things and the Alliance wants to cover the truth. They want to bury it. And she knows things that the Alliance doesn't want people to know. That's alluded to in the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. is that key members of parliament observed her and the operative points out that, wait a minute, these are the people that know all of our secrets and you brought them in the room with a psychic. Mm -hmm. And that plays out throughout this movie that River knows some of these things subconsciously that leads them to Miranda to discover things. And I love the the way she describes them. Old men covered in blood and never touched them, but they're drowning in it. When, when she says that, it's like that's her. She doesn't know what that's what she's describing. But I think in, in, in when she makes that statement, because she, she follows that up by saying, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But that statement, it's, it's just she's got all of these guilty people's thoughts in her head and yeah. all the, the horrible things that they have done. And they're in her head. Mm-hmm. And yet she's also programmed in a sense, she's programmed to be a weapon, programmed in the sense of brainwashed and all of this mm-hmm. uh, inserted into her by some means. And that sets her off in a scene in the restaurant, which is one of my favorite scenes. It in would the movie, be. Where she just goes <laughs> totally ballistic on everyone because a switch is thrown in her mind by some subliminal message in a mm-hmm. cartoon commercial. Right. And she just goes crazy kicking these guys and everything. One of my favorite scenes. And I have to ask you, because you have the karate background and I don't, is it really possible for a 90-pound girl to do that much damage? I'm- oh, yeah. Yeah, there, what I've learned that's really cool is there are points on the body, nerve points, that if you hit them, and it doesn't take too much, you can knock someone out or you can disable a leg. And it's not like weird spiritual stuff. It's there's a nerve there. You stop this nerve and it knocks someone out or causes extreme pain. Let me demonstrate one. No, 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 please. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's certainly possible for her to uh, do that. Now, of course, Hollywood amplifies a lot of this stuff and no doubt speeds many of these scenes up so it looks like she's doing all of this stuff yeah really and i fast. mean when, when she takes blows i mean guys are hitting her in the head and she just kind of does this you know knocks her head to the side and then goes yeah, right no, back on it and yeah some of that's a little exaggerated yeah it's like if a 90 pound girl got hit by somebody who had to reach on her i mean it, literally it would throw her down i mean she's not she doesn't have the weight and the strength to stand against that kind of a blow i would think so yeah that that that's why I just I it it went past my level of of being able to disbelieve, you know, suspend my disbelief. Mm. So, yeah, but one of my favorite scenes still. I just <laughs> love watching the moves, and it's like now that I know these moves and what each one is, it's like ooh crescent kick, oh butterfly kick, spinning crescent, spinning <laughs> hook kick, and all of this. And it's <laughs> like oh wow, I do that on my bag. I've got down here in my recording studio also functions as my exercise room, and I've got my giant kicking bag off to the side and. I practice some of these River Tam moves on my kicking bag. <laughs> but one of the things also I wanted to mention about River is one of her redeeming qualities is although she is mentally kind of disconnected from the world, 
there's this really powerful scene where Simon is shot and he's down on the ground bleeding and he's lost his medical kit. And he speaks to his sister who is looking over him and she's shocked that here's her protector that is suddenly wounded. River. River, I'm, I'm sorry. I hate, I hate to leave. He won't. <laughs> you take care of me, Simon. You've always taken care of me. My turn. Then in an incredible act of heroism, she jumps through the hole in the wall and throws the medical kit back, closes the door, and then she's left in this room of Reavers, and she starts then taking her turn Mm -hmm. and protecting her brother. And I thought, oh, that's just, that is an awesome scene. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to mention this scripture verse in part one of our episode. It reminds me so much the relationship between Simon and River reminds me of John fifteen thirteen, and Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Mm-hmm. And we see that so much between Simon and River, that Simon has given her his life mm-hmm. for River. And then in this scene, she says, it's my turn. Mm-hmm. I just think that that is and I think Beautiful. it's also a statement that, of stability that she's started. She's finally starting to um, become a stable mentality now. Because back on Miranda, when when they finally found the source of the signal, at at the end of listening to the signal, she she tells Simon that she's all right, and then she looks up at him and she looks at him again, like, "I'm all right." Like, wow, I'm really all right. Yeah. And and I think that that it was that point that she started to to kind of snap out of of the issues that she's had all along that she, she got it out of her head and now she is really river Tam. Mm -hmm. She really is Simon's sister again. And that's why she could now take a turn at doing the protection. Yeah. One just incredible scene. I love that. And then especially the spot where then it uh, later shows her just brutally fighting all of these reavers. (laughs) You would like that. Yeah. (laughs) Of course. I'm curious. Didn't you like the scene between the operative and, and Mel? Oh, yeah. Fighting? Yeah, yeah, that's cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had that nerve moved. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, it's great. I, I just, I, I'm skeptical of whether people can actually take a beating like that and keep getting up and fighting, so. Oh, in Hollywood, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's. He shot and stabbed and, you know, and he keeps fighting. But he has a purpose. Oh, yeah. Because the wind is blowing north this time. So right. he's going yeah. north. Yes. And, and it's blowing really hard, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> so now, something else throughout the Firefly series and in the movie are the companions. And this is a, a weird concept of an, an occupation, a professional occupation. Yeah. 
I don't think it, it's weird to us because we're Christians and we know that what she does is wrong. Um, I think it's a historical occupation, though, because if you look back, even in some of the cities that existed in the time of Christ had professional prostitutes mm-hmm. and prostitutes as part of religion and all kinds of things. And I think in a in a worldview that is so anti-God, as Joss Whedon's is, I think it, it's just a given that you're going to have this kind of professional, somebody who that's that's their their entire life to be um, – the the professional prostitute, the person who is there for the desires of whatever man or woman wants. Yeah, and they're supposedly different from just regular harlots. Mm-hmm. And that's brought out in some discussion that they're not just harlots, but they are they're professionals, they're licensed, they're mm-hmm. registered. And they do more than just the sex. They do yeah. massages and escort service and all kinds of stuff. But that doesn't necessarily make what they are right. But And they serve female and male clients alike. Mm-hmm. So it's even uh, some of the homosexualism in it that is considered perfectly all right. And mm-hmm. Yeah, because Inara is presented as a very likable character. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing about her, though I think it's interesting that in this TV series, um, Mal holds her profession against her a good bit, mm-hmm. and th- that he is the most directionless, lack of morals person in the whole show, and yet he's <laughs> the one that holds her profession against her. It's like, what does he base that on? Yeah. I mean, Shepard Book doesn't even seem to have a problem with Inara, but... Yeah, which really bothers me. Yeah. That he's so Christian, air quotes there, Yeah, and yet he doesn't say anything about that. Now, I think, you know, as Christians, we shouldn't be preaching against people out there. No, we shouldn't be judgmental yeah. of, of the choices people have made in their lives that are anti. I mean, unsaved people are unsaved, and whatever they're doing in their life, they are unsaved. And the only difference between us and them is that we're forgiven. We cannot judge one they're, what they're doing, the sins in li- their life, is any greater than the sins that are in our life that mm-hmm. we're forgiven. And Shepard even kind of has that in his own life. Mm-hmm. The, like Jeff pointed out in that voicemail in part one of this uh, series, is that Shepard has something dark in his past, and we don't really know what that is completely. But obviously, he knows he's been forgiven mm-hmm. because he's had something dark in his past. But yet, he doesn't. He doesn't try and help Anara to see that same forgiveness. Yeah. Which is a problem. In, but yet he does extend grace to her he and does. he doesn't condemn her. He doesn't judge her, which Mal yeah. does. And that's actually one of the reasons why she's not part of the crew at the, in this movie, because one of the last things that's hinted at in the TV show is that she's living. Yeah. And in the movie, they say mm-hmm. that, that yeah. you drove Anara off, you drove Shepard off, or referring to the captain has, right. having done that. And I didn't realize, I don't think I ever caught this in the TV series. But it's in the extras, the deleted scenes for Serenity. There's a whole scene with Anara back at her new castle, whatever thing it is. And she's discussing with the head companion lady. And they talk about that training to be a companion starts at age 12. Which, it's like, you're training kids to be professional harlots mm-hmm. at age 12. But then she says it's many years that they go through this training without even the concept of pleasure being introduced. So I don't know necessarily what they mean by that, but that just... Well, I mean, we have people now that train for mas- yeah. m- as masseurs or, 
you know, I I really think that they present the companions as not that's not all they do is mm-hmm. is is the harlotry. They do other things, and and servicing a client doesn't necessarily mean what a prostitute would do. Mm-hmm. So they 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 are there to provide whatever the client needs, and so they have to have a wide range of skills in order to do that. So, but it's interesting that it's a yeah. very commonplace in this future culture mm-hmm. that it's. It's only looked down upon by a guy who has no moral absolutes right. of his own. Everyone else and she seems, admires her. It seems her. to be a very they they seem to present the companions as being very unbiased. Like mm-hmm. they're 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 above uh, all of the petty concerns that people have, and and so they can walk into a situation and and be on the arm of a of a guy and in the and not be concerned about what he does mm-hmm. beyond yeah. that, and uh, that it, there's no judgment there either way and it's it's a very bizarre i agree with you it's very bizarre the the whole companion thing is very bizarre mm-hmm. now let's talk about this utopia that the global alliance is trying to create and they are trying to create it by removing sin i believe in something greater than myself a better world a world without sin is it possible to create a world without sin? Well, number one, we know as from a Christian worldview, it isn't. One of the clips that I like is the beginning clip where River and the teacher at the beginning are discussing it, and River talks about being meddlesome. Because this is, in creating a world without sin, that's the way the operator looked at it. But let's hear how the Alliance views it, because this is their response to this. People don't like to be meddled with. We tell them what to do, what to think. Don't run, don't walk. We're in their homes and in their heads, and we haven't the right. We're meddlesome. River, we're not telling people what to think. We're just trying to show them how. Trying to show people how to think. So it's not even so much a matter of a world without sin. It's a world of people who are all thinking the way that the government tells them Hmm. to think. When that's not working so much, then they resort to chemical means right. of trying to influence the way they think. And that's what happened at Miranda. And when the characters get to the planet of Miranda, they find this distress message that is uh, disturbing and explains what happened on the island. <laughs> the island? <laughs> I'm thinking too much about Lost. (laughs) The Lost premiere is, right now, we are less than a week away from the Lost premiere, and I'm thinking too much about Lost. What happened on the planet, Miranda? These are just a few of the images we've recorded, and you can see it isn't what we thought. There's been no war here, and no terraforming event. The environment is stable. It's the PAX, the G23 Paxilon hydrochloride that we added to the air processors. It was supposed to calm the population, weed out aggression. Well, it works. The people here stopped fighting, and then they stopped everything else. They stopped going to work. They stopped breathing, talking, eating. There's 30 million people here, and they all just let themselves die. I have to be quick. 
About a tenth of a percent of the population had the opposite reaction to the packs. Their aggressor response increased beyond madness. They have become... Well, they've killed most of us. And not just killed. They've done things. Reavers. They made them. So in trying to create a utopia by forced chemical means, they create the opposite of a utopia. Right. And that was the big truth they were trying to hide because they didn't want anybody to know that they were responsible for creating these barbarians. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about the Reavers in a moment, but in in the process of creating a utopia... And I like the movie Equilibrium for also bringing this out is you have to remove emotions from people and or just calm people down to the point that people are like walking zombies. Mm-hmm. So for whom does it become a utopia if no one has the capacity to enjoy it anymore? Yeah, there was an observation that that I that came to mind that I've made in the past that I thought was interesting in talking about peace and that was the name of the drug they used was pax that's that's literally the word peace hmm. and in in world peace we always see the the symbol of the white dove carrying the olive branch and i'm hmm. not sure most people realize that that's actually a biblical symbol it's um it's the biblical symbol of the of the aftermath of the flood noah's flood noah sent out the white dove and and when there was land for, for, so that they could get off the ark the dove brings back an olive leaf. When I thought of that, I was like, if if you apply that concept of peace to a f- a flood destroyed world, then you're saying that the only true peace is a world without man. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even sure people really pull that context out. That in 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 we we see the pretty release the pretty white doves you know it's like um, you realize that that as a biblical symbol means that the only true peace is a world without man. Now I'm not saying that. I mean I am saying that in a way because that's how God restored when He judged the earth. That was how He restored peace to the planet mm-hmm. was to destroy all of sinful man. I mean that was judgment and the and the, and really and when we ask what will bring a utopia, it's when God rebuilds and brings reconciliation, the new heavens and the new earth. That's the only true utopia because we live in a world with sin and we can't humanly remove sin. Mm -hmm. The only way to remove sin is to remove humans. To remove the sinner. Yeah. Right. And so you you can't have a utopia. I like what Joss Whedon said in the extra on the DVD for Serenity and the the little portion called future history he says whenever you create a utopia you find something ugly beneath it mm-hmm. so is it really then a utopia if it's built upon layer upon layer of ugliness i mean we even saw that with the opera operator or the operative we saw <laughs> operator, that with- <laughs> operator operator <laughs> We saw that with the operative because he was the he he was saying himself, and we played the quote in the previous part um, that he he wanted to create a world without sin, mm-hmm. but he he was too he knew that he was a monster and that he was too evil to live in that world. 
So he was doing wrong to create something good, which we all know that you can't do something wrong to create something good. Right. And I like what Malcolm later says when he's disabled the operative and forces him to be able to watch this video. He says, I'm going to show you a world without sin. Mm-hmm. And then he plays that video and shows, you know, this mm-hmm. is what you guys created. Right. When you tried to create a world without sin. That leads into a good discussion of the Reavers themselves. Mm-hmm. Because the Reavers are full of rage. That's what River says. Um, when the Reavers start coming down on them, she says, they're also full of rage. That's that's all she feels from them. And remember that they've presented her as being someone who can see into the heart, the truth of people. Mm-hmm. And that's all she sees when she looks at the Reavers. And during the hovercraft chase scene, mm-hmm. she says they want us alive when they eat us. Mm-hmm. The Reavers we see are like the absolute opposite of humanity. They are selfish, they're barbaric, they they don't really communicate. Mm -hmm. Oddly, they have some understanding of technology that they are able to fly around in these spaceships, but not so well because their spaceships are all messed up and everything. But they are totally savage in their behavior. And it's the consequence of trying to control their behavior that created Mm -hmm. them to be crazy like this. And it just reminds me so much of Romans 1. Originally, I thought of just Romans 1, 28. But then as I started looking at the mm-hmm. context, I realized, no, I have to include this verse, I have to include this one, I have to include this one. So I'm just going to read Romans 1, 21 through 32. It says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator." who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned natural function of the women and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind. I like the way the King James Version says it, a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. In some sense, this is like a word-for-word description of the Reavers. 
but yet also of us as regular civilized people Mm -hmm. when we remove the absolute authority of God's word, of God, from our lives. And from an evolutionary perspective, what's wrong with that? Yeah. I mean, why would anybody who's looking at things from an evolutionary, totally secular, naturalistic worldview, they're not consistent? Because if they consistently applied those beliefs they have, then they wouldn't see anything wrong with what the reavers do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, animals eat each other. Yeah. And the reavers eat other humans. Right. So if man is just an animal, then what's wrong with killing other animals? humans and eating them right there's it's just survival yeah and yet the reavers oddly have a sense of preservation for each other that they're not attacking and eating each other they're only attacking the other humans Mm -hmm. but it's it's a totally opposite uh, type of existence from the order and the morality that god has ingrained in us it is when we throw out all of that, then we become essentially like a reaver. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to say that, you know, I obviously won't say that people who don't believe in God or people who aren't Christians are, you know, human eating, cannibalistic, uh, terrible creatures and all of this, like the reavers are. But that is what we are if we totally remove. The absolute morality and the that understanding God has given of God. Us. Yeah. Yes. If we totally remove it. And see, that's the thing is that even though there are atheists out there who say there are no absolutes and that there is no God and that logic disproves God, which is a contradictory statement, mm-hmm. these these people are still holding on to biblical principles as the foundation for their anti-biblical principles. Right. And they because are, you can't have the morality. Yeah. And uh, I have to reference here, I uh, got to listen to a message from Dr. Jason Lyle, an astrophysicist. And did you get to listen to that? Mm-hmm. As yes, well? I did. Yeah. Yes. Um, just incredible message. I want to try and get Dr. Jason Lyle on here sometime. He's a speaker for Answers in Genesis. And he happens to be a big sci-fi fan, so oh, yeah. I think we should be able to. I, I asked him if he would come on here and talk about serenity. And he said, I would do any science fiction with you except serenity. Uh, He doesn't like it as much as we do. Oh, well. But uh, sometime I've got to get him on here so that he can talk about uh, the apologetics and how contradictory atheist thinking is and how it just undermines itself. But getting back to this main point in serenity is the reavers are the opposite of a utopia. It's when we totally abandon everything. Then God gives us over to a reprobate mind, a depraved mind and that we start fulfilling the lusts of our flesh or that all of these terrible wicked things and at one point it was said how's a guy get so wrong shepherd book said they was men just reached the edge of space saw a vasty nothingness and went biblically over it actually you know i would say it's people who removed everything from themselves who have nothing left of a moral code, moral mm-hmm. absolutes at all. Nothing left of God's spirit in their lives. Yeah, it's, they, they reach the edge of themselves in a way. It's not reaching the edge of space and seeing nothing that would drive somebody crazy. It's reaching that point of in your, in your life where you don't have any moral underpinnings and then you lose your sanity. Mm-hmm. 
And we so. see that so much. And like we talked about Batman Dark Knight last mm-hmm. time, is that there was uh, Two-Face, Harvey Dent, who uh, reached that point where he lost everything that he loved, and then he just completely goes crazy mm-hmm. on it. And the Reavers, well, it was, yeah, it was a chemically induced thing. But I would say that none of us are incapable of being like a Reaver. If we mm-hmm. totally throw everything out that we know to be right, mm-hmm. if we even throw out the concept of right and wrong, mm-hmm. then we too could become like a Reaver. Right. And we've seen modern day, well, I won't necessarily mod- say modern day, but we've seen cultures like that in deep, dark places in Africa and mm-hmm. where they have... They're disconnected from the rest of the culture. They forget absolute morals. They turn to cannibalism and other weird savagery things. And it's not that they are reverting back to their pre-human state or that they're just carrying over their savage ape-like instincts. Mm -hmm. It's No, that's what happens when we abandon God's word totally and his principles. And I think it's also uh, an indication of like we were talking about the utopia here. It's that a true utopia doesn't exist in a governmental form is something that has to exist within the body of Christ. A true utopia is one that is built within the heart of 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 really a, a Christian, because we see like in Ephesians where I read in the last statement about um, from Ephesians four about having you know the the are being grounded in Christ so that we're not blown away from every by every doctrine. It says rather speaking the truth and love we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And when they're talking about a body there, they're talking about a group of people living together in love. Mm-hmm. And that is the true utopia. But you can't have that without Christ. Right. Because he works in the heart of man to draw, to draw us together, to all work together in, in a cohesive way because he's the head. And we're allowing him to do our thinking for us. Not necessarily a government who forces its way and its, its way of, of thinking on people so that it's an external thing. You have to obey us because we are the head it's more of an internal thing coming out of the heart of man through christ well we've got we've had some really good discussion here yes. and i've really enjoyed this and serenity is a fun movie and if you haven't seen it i hope that you'll go see it enjoy it first right. and then and you know i think we should just take a minute here to i mean you said you really enjoyed the the fight scenes in the movie. Yeah. I, I want to say I really enjoyed the editing. I mean, there are parts of this movie that are just flawless. Mm-hmm. When you watch the first time you're introduced to Serenity as a ship, um, you see the captain starting in the cockpit. And he's talk, carrying on conversations, walking through the living areas to the engine room. And then he walks out of the engine room into the medical room. And then he walks out of the medical room into the... And it's one complete seamless scene. The camera never leaves the captain. And you see him walking through all of these places. You feel like you're really in the ship. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible how they did that. I just, whenever I see that scene, I, I almost want to stop the movie and play it over <laughs> again because it's just so seamless. I mean, the movie is really a beautiful movie to watch. Yeah, it is. So if you haven't seen it, then if you if it's the type of movie that you think you might uh, like to see, then go out and see it. You could also watch Firefly, the series. And I want to mention my 
favorite <laughs> website out there is one of my favorites is hulu.com h u l u where you can watch for free the entire firefly very short lived season mm-hmm. the first season of episodes you can watch all of those for free on hulu and then you can go out and get the movie serenity and and that caps it off and mm-hmm. kind of ends the storyline unfortunately although some people have tried to bring it back yes i know they would but the fans have pushed for a second movie but they've killed off a couple of the main yeah. couple uh, characters i don't know you know where they could take it but yeah so we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation and discussion and we certainly did and we would love to hear your feedback too if you want to have some additional shot additional thoughts to share you can send those to us through the website are you just com slash podcast slash zero zero five are the show notes for this episode you can email those thoughts to us either in text form or as an audio attachment to us at areyoujustwatching.com or call us in and leave a voicemail at 859-353-4332 and we'd love to include your feedback on the show. And uh, don't forget while you're on our website, please consider a donation to help us continue on. And if you're not subscribed to the show in a regular subscription method, then you can also subscribe through the website through various means that fits just about anything that you need. So... Next time, we've received a suggestion for yes, a movie that our, I have never seen. A very, our very first uh, suggestion. Yeah, that we came re- from Michael. He suggested that we review Hellboy 2. Yes, yes. I've seen Hellboy. I have not seen Hellboy 2, so that'll be interesting. Now, I haven't even seen Hellboy 1. Yeah. So I'm going to have to watch both of them. <laughs> Enjoy them first, then go back and rewatch them as a critical thinking perspective. Right. But thank you so much for that suggestion. And if anyone else has suggestions, then please share those with oh, us. Oh, yes, please. Please. So until next time, when we will probably be reviewing Hellboy, make sure that you keep watching the website, areyoujustwatching.com, because Eve, you've still got more to blog, right? Oh, yeah. I've still got more to say about the Twilight Saga. It's amazing how much is in those books. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, I'll probably mention some things about Lost or Fringe or Battlestar Galactica. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate your feedback and comments. Until next time, well, (laughs) I'll always be Daniel Lewis, but until we hear you (laughs) next time, I'm Daniel Lewis. And I'm Eve Franklin. Thanks for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is produced and sponsored by D. Joseph Design at djosephdesign.com. The opening vocal talent is thanks to Mariah. Our theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis from their exciting Vacation Bible School curriculum, Operation Space, which you can find at AnswersVBS.com. <laughs>